In Mark chapter 8, just two verses I'm going to read, beginning in verse number 34. This is the word of the Lord. It says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he, speaking of Jesus, said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this chance to be together today. We thank you for your word. Your word is alive. It's powerful. It still speaks to us today. And I'm grateful, God, for your living and powerful word. And I pray that in these next few minutes together, first of all, that you would help me to speak your word and your word alone with clarity, with simplicity, with incredible boldness. But Holy Spirit, I also pray that you would help us all in this room to have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand what it is that you want to speak to us about today. Lord, already at the outset of the service, we at the end of our worship time pray very specifically, Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts that only you are capable of doing. This is a challenging word, but Lord, may we not shy away from it. Instead, may we embrace it and recognize what it looks like for us to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me to speak your word faithfully and obediently today. God, I need to decrease and you to increase and be the focus of our time together. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing in our series here on the uh, in the Gospel of Mark. Last Sunday was very, very quick, very short. Some of you enjoyed that um, as we shared together in, in celebrating baptisms. But last week, uh, we really began the first part of this message and what it looks like to truly follow Jesus. When Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Last week we looked at what it means to deny ourselves. Today we're going to unpack these other two statements by Jesus taking up our cross and following him. We learned last week that to truly follow Jesus, he, Christ, demands our very all. He's not looking for just a, a half-hearted approach in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to, to be fence-sitters. He wants to know, are we all in or not? We read these words again in our text in Matthew, or Mark chapter 8. We read it to you one more time. Then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, here's what you have to do. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, Jesus says, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Let me just say this at the outset. When it comes to the kingdom of God and the values and the ways of God's kingdom, they look a whole lot different than the ways and the values of the world. Yes. This whole concept of if you, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Now, from a, a worldly perspective, that doesn't make sense. But for the kingdom of God, it's absolutely what he's calling us to. We talked a little bit last week how I believe in our culture today we softened the call of discipleship in America. We've lost any sense of, of sacrifice and complete surrender. 
Oftentimes, there are many who, who say, you know what, I'm going to follow Christ on Sunday, I'm going to follow Him on Wednesday, but, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm going to live my life however I want to live. And Christ is looking for followers, disciples who say, I'm all in. I'm all in Sunday to Sunday. I want to follow Him. I'm going to surrender my life completely to Him. Neil Postman wrote these words. He said, I believe I am not mistaken in saying that Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. When it is delivered as easy and amusing, he says it is another kind of religion altogether. Certainly Christianity demands and expects a lot of us. Otherwise, it really isn't following Christ. The call to follow Jesus is demanding and costly. But it's absolutely worth it. So what is expected of us when we say yes to following Jesus? When you and I make the commitment to follow him, what does he really expect of you? Does he expect us to put on our very, very best on Sunday and then the rest of the week kind of just shy away and do whatever we want to do? Or does he expect more of us? Last week we learned that it begins with denying ourselves. Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. When it comes to self-denial, he says to deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. To see only him who goes before me and no more the road which is too hard for us. Once more, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, all that self-denial can say is this. He leads the way. Speaking of Jesus, keep close to him. Self-denial is just simply saying Jesus is leading the way. It's not about what road I want to be on. Not about which road is easier to travel. But Jesus Christ is leading the way. And if you read the Gospels, the road that Jesus is on is a difficult road. It's going to lead to the cross. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be on a hill, on a cross. He's going to be crucified. But I can tell you it's incredibly worth it. He leads the way. We need to keep close to him. Today we're going to look at what it looks like to take up our cross and to follow him. And I can say this right now, there may not be a lot of amens when I talk about taking up our cross. But I want you to listen very carefully this morning and really ask the Holy Spirit to challenge your hearts as we work through this together. First of all, those who choose to follow Jesus, they must take up their cross. Look what Jesus says again. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take up your cross. What does that mean? What is Jesus talking about? Uh, does that mean he wants us to go outside and cut down a tree and make up a cross and carry it with us everywhere we go? Absolutely not. That's not what he's saying. The disciples didn't do that. They didn't carry around the beam everywhere they went as a reminder of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So what, what does Jesus really mean when he says to you and me, when he says to his disciples, if you want to truly be my follower, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. What does that mean? Let, let me begin by, first of all, just saying cross-bearing. In this context, in the first century, cross-bearing was always associated with danger and sacrifice. During the time of Jesus, public executions in the form of crucifixion, it was part of their way of life. 
This is how the Romans would, would, would begin to um, bring judgment upon anybody they wanted to in the form of crucifixion. These executions, they were cruel and disgusting. And often, crucifixion was often meant for the lowliest of criminals. So when Jesus says to his disciples, if you want to truly be my follower, you have to take up your cross. Immediately, there is this, this association of danger and sacrifice when we think of taking up our cross. Because it was in a culture where, where crucifixion was, was something that was common. It was part of their way of life. That's why Paul will say in what is referred to as the Christ hymn in Philippians chapter 2, speaking of Jesus who took on the form of humanity. Look at what Paul says. He says, in being found, speaking of Jesus, being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself. How? By becoming obedient to the point of death, but not just any type of death, even death on a cross. For someone to be crucified upon a cross meant that they were, they were the lowliest of the lowliest. They were the most disgusting criminals of the day. It was not reserved for maybe a, a more high esteem type of, of individual, but it was reserved for somebody that was a, a lowly, disgusting criminal. And that's why when Paul says not only was he obedient to the point of death, but even death on a cross. So when Jesus says to his followers... He says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. Now they have this picture of what it looks like, that this idea of danger and sacrifice is involved. So, so imagine being one of, those, one of those disciples and you hear Jesus say, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross immediately. Pictures of, of sacrifice and, and danger start to come in mind because this was the culture. We lose it here in America in the 21st century. Yes. But for these disciples, when he said take up your cross, they knew what he meant. They understood the, the significance of the commitment that Jesus was calling them to. The Romans, they would make the condemned individual oftentimes carry the, the horizontal beam, the transverse beam. So if someone was sentenced to die on a cross, Oftentimes, the criminal would carry that horizontal beam on their neck or on their back to the place where they would be placed upon a cross and be crucified. We see that with Jesus. We read in the gospel accounts in Mark 15, verse 21, it says, And they compelled a passerby. So Jesus is on his way to, to Golgotha. And Jesus was carrying the horizontal beam, the transverse beam, on his way to the hill. But they compelled a passerby by the name of Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus. What a beautiful name, Rufus. <laughs> they compelled Simon to carry that cross beam on behalf of Jesus. And, and so Jesus was physically and literally carrying that cross beam on his way to the hill. This was the way of the Romans. They, they would put that beam up on their back and they say, all right, now walk to the place where we're going to crucify you. And I want you to walk with that beam on your back. But Jesus is on his way to Golgotha and they compel this passerby, Simon of Cyrene, to carry that beam for him. Cross bearing is always associated with danger and sacrifice. So then the call to take up our cross it's not the equivalent of experiencing hardships in the home. 
catastrophes from external sources, or even having to manage a disease or illness. I, I want you to grasp this this morning because sometimes we turn everything into cross-bearing. Even some of the most simple things that really are not that challenging or that difficult, we turn everything into me bearing a cross. And I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you have to take up your cross. He, he wasn't thinking about you know, physical ailments or, or hardships that we face at home. He had something else in mind. I believe this understanding really sells short the meaning of what it truly means to take up our cross. Listen to what Warren Wearsby said. He said, to deny self does not mean to deny things. It means to give yourself wholly to Christ and share in his shame and death. To take up a cross does not mean to carry heavy burdens or have problems. I once met a lady, Warren said, who told me her asthma was the cross she had to bear. To take up the cross means to identify with Christ in his rejection, his shame, his suffering, and his death. Bearing our cross is to identify with Christ in his suffering and death. To join the ranks of the despised and the doomed. And to follow Christ even unto death. Bonhoeffer says it best. He says the cross is laid on every Christian. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. I told you I would not get a lot of amens this morning. But folks, I think when it comes to this understanding of what it truly means to follow Jesus Christ, because we are incredibly blessed here in America and in the 21st century, I think we've lost significance, the deep call of what it truly means to follow Christ. To deny ourselves, maybe we can get behind that. But when it comes to taking up our cross, we quickly begin to associate it with, with some ailments or some difficulties that maybe we have in the home. But, but really what Jesus is calling his disciples to is to follow him even to the point of death. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Ultimately, he was asking his disciples, if you really want to be my follower, are you willing to die for my sake? The call to bear a cross is not, sorry, the call to bear a cross is the main road, not some detour. The call to bear a cross is not a call to see if it fits the main and it's the only way. The call to bear our cross is not simply a call to acknowledge him but then to abandon him when it gets tough. That's what the crowd did. When the crowd heard these words, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, they weren't really interested any longer. They were willing to follow Jesus as long as the miracles kept coming. They were willing to follow Jesus as long as it was easy for them and they weren't really put into harm's way. But as soon as it got hard, as soon as it got difficult, as soon as it required of them their life, they were gone. They wanted to abandon ship. That's not what it looks like to take up our cross. Taking up our Christ's cross says, I'm all in. Even if that means my death. Call to bear our cross implies a willingness to give up our life for the sake of Christ. He said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake 
in the Gospels. We'll sing it. Cross, folks, is often mourned, but rarely, rarely is the cross born. What's very interesting is that 10 of the 11 disciples, they died as martyrs for the sake of Christ. 10 of the 11 died as martyrs. All 11 took up their cross. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, probably wishing he would have died. But 10 of the 11 actually physically gave up their life. They, they bore the cross. They were willing to follow Jesus even to the point of death. Listen to what Thomas the Kempis writes. He says this, Jesus has many who love his kingdom in heaven, but few who bear his cross. He has many who desire comfort, but few who desire suffering. He finds many to share his feast, but few is fasting. All desire to rejoice with them, but few are willing to suffer for his sake. Many follow Jesus to the breaking of bread, but few to the drinking of the cup of his passion. Many admire his miracles, but few follow him in the humiliation of the cross. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I willing? To follow Christ wherever he leads, even if it leads to my death. I can't answer that question for you. You can only answer that question for me. But Jesus looks at his disciples and he said, If you truly, truly, truly want to be my follower, then you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross, which may lead and it did for the disciples. It did for many in the first several centuries. And it's still today. Maybe not so much here in America, but across the globe. It's leading many to death. Let me give you an example of this. There's a story of the guy by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp is in the first century or so. And early, first or second century, early follower of Jesus Christ. And here is his story. Listen to this. As Polycarp was being taken into the arena a voice came to him from heaven be strong Polycarp and play the man no one saw who had spoken but our brothers who were there heard the voice the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured there was an uproar proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp on hearing that he was he tried to persuade him to apostatize saying, have respect for your old age, swear by the fortune of Caesar, repent and say, down with the atheists. What is being referred to here is they were asking Polycarp to deny his faith in Jesus Christ. In this particular day, for anyone to declare anybody except Caesar as Lord was, was worthy of their destruction or even their death. And so they wanted Polycarp to say, down with the atheists. He's referring to Christians as the atheists because they declared somebody else as being Lord. What's interesting is that Polycarp, he looked grimly at the wicked heathen multitude in the stadium. And gesturing towards them, he said, down with the atheists. Swear, urge the proconsul, reproach Christ, and I will set you free. And listen 
to the Polycarp's response. 86 years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Polycarp, not only did he understand with his mind, with his heart, what it meant to follow Christ, to take up his cross, but he did it all the way to the point where he was killed, he was martyred for his faith. He was willing to follow Jesus even if it cost him his life. So I ask the question again, am I willing to follow Christ wherever he leads, even if it leads to my death? And I know in this room, in our rather blessed society that we live in, it's probably hard for our minds to really understand and grasp what it means to follow Jesus even to death. Because the reality is most of us in this room aren't being persecuted like Polycarp was. We aren't being asked to deny our faith or die. We aren't being persecuted in ways that really ask much of us. But I still ask us this question. Am I willing? Am I willing to follow Jesus at all costs? Even if that means the giving of my life. Because Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to, if you desire to be my true follower, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross, which means, could mean death. And follow me wherever I lead. Following Jesus, it's hard. It's not easy. But as I said before, it's totally worth it. Because folks, we are just citizens here on earth passing through. Our ultimate citizenship resides in heaven. This is just a temporary household for us. One day, believers will be in God's presence where we will spend eternity. But here on earth, whether it's 20 years, 60 years, 86 years, or 100 plus years, the question that we have to ask ourselves, am I going to follow Christ even to the point of giving up my life for Him? The way of Christ and the heart of the gospel is the cross. That's why Paul said, I desire to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Listen to what Donald Wildman said. He said, at the very heart of the Christian gospel is a cross, a symbol of suffering and sacrifice, hurt and pain, humiliation and rejection. I want no part of the Christian message which does not call me to involvement or requires of me no sacrifice or takes from me no comfort requires of me less than the best I have to give. The duty of a Christian is to be faithful, not popular or successful. I want you to hear that again, not the whole thing. I want no part, listen to what he says, I want no part of the Christian message which does not call me to involvement or requires of me no sacrifice, or takes from me no comfort, or requires of me less than the best I have to give. 
The duty of a Christian is to be faithful, not popular or successful. I wonder how many of us in this room or how many Christians can really cling tightly to those words where we say, I don't want to be a part of something unless it requires of me sacrifice. How many are so glad you're here today? <laughs> Amen. Few of you, most of you. Last thing that I want to share, and I'll be done with this very quickly. <coughs> Secondly, those who choose to follow Jesus must follow the way He has chosen. It's not called us to uh, create our own path, go our own way. He's called us to follow Him. Jesus has already gone before us. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And we are to follow his path, follow his way, the way that he has chosen. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must follow me. I'm actually going to talk more about this even next week. Next week we're going to get into all of Mark chapter 9. and We're going to look at the story of the, uh, the transfiguration when Jesus is on the mountain and there with Moses and Elijah Peter, James, and John are with him. And you know, Peter, who always talks before he thinks, he says, this is great, let's stay here, let's build, let's build houses, and let's hang out, and, and let's not go back down the mountain. And Peter, once again, is kind of pushed aside, and God speaks, Father speaks. We're going to look at that story. We're going to look at the rest of Mark 9. And what we're really going to see in Mark 9 is what it really looks like to follow him. Follow me, I mean, we think of just, you know, wherever he goes, we're going to go, and that's part of it, but we're going to see even next week that there's more to it than just that. This type of following, it requires an unwavering and unhindered commitment to Christ. Think about Ruth for a second. Going back to the Old Testament, Ruth, she was a Moabite woman. She married an Israelite man. Her husband passed. No children, all passed. And Ruth is with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi says to Ruth, there's no reason for you. You have, you have no attachment to me any longer. Your husband's passed, and, and there's really nothing for you. I'm too far along you know, to have somebody else for you to marry. So why don't you just return back to your land? And, and, and in Ruth chapter 1, Ruth says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. Your God, Naomi, will be my God. You, you see this unhindered commitment to go wherever she goes. There was this clinging to this attachment. We see this also even in the example that Jesus gives to us. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. I said this last week. He's praying. And he knows that the cross is before him. And he says, there's another way. Let it be. But at the end of the day, he says, not your will, but mine. Or excuse me, not my will. <laughs> That was heresy. Um, <laughs> not my will, but your will be done. The cross was at the heart of Jesus' mission, and he was inviting his followers to join him on this journey. So here's the question that I have for us this morning. Am I trying to chart my own path? Or have I surrendered myself to following his path wherever it leads? Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, 
can follow me wherever I lead. And folks, there are a lot of people that say, I'm in. I'm going to follow Christ. And we're behind him. And he's leading the way. But he gets to a juncture point where things get a little bit challenging, a little bit hard. And we, you know what, I'm going to over here, you know, I'm going to follow you to this point, and I'm going to kind of do my own thing now, and maybe I'll pick back up with you later, Jesus, when it gets easier, but right now it's too hard for me. There's a lot of Christians that, that have adopted that mentality, that they're going to follow Jesus when it's convenient, follow him when it really works with their schedule, or follow him when it's easy and not so difficult, or, you know what, I'll follow him as long as he doesn't expect anything from me. There's a lot of people in that position. And the reality is, again, I said this last week, Jesus is looking for followers who are all in. He doesn't want just part of us. He doesn't want a portion of us. He doesn't want us keeping one foot in the world and one foot in a relationship with him. We can't serve two masters. It's not going to work. There's going to be this constant pull, this constant tension, unless we say, God, I'm all in. I'm surrendering my all to you. I'm not going to hold on to this. And there's a lot of people who say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you all of this, but this area of my life, I, I still want to control this. I, I still want to be in charge. I still want to have control here. But you can have this. It's, I'm not really interested in that anyway. This doesn't really ask much of me. There's a lot of people in that camp that say, you know what, I'm, I'm in, but I'm not all in. But what Jesus is asking of us, and, and I don't want to downplay this call at all, this call to discipleship, because it's very easy. We've read this, this text. We've read these verses. We're probably familiar with them. We know that Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, and we're all in. But the reality is, are we? Are we all in? Are we willing to follow him, even if that means our death, for the sake of the kingdom of God? That's a question that you individually and myself, we have to wrestle with. We have to ask ourselves, Holy Spirit, is there an area in my life that, I, that I'm still holding on to, that I'm not surrendered over to Christ because I want control? If there's still an area that I want control over, then there's an area, and the reality is that I've not surrendered. I've not said I'm all in. Am I willing to follow him? No matter the cost. Here's the reality. Jesus wants our very all. And nothing less. But are you willing to give him your all? Are you willing to follow him wherever it leads? May I ask this final question. Is Christ my single passion in life? The answer is no there's other things that, that we cling to, other things that we desire, the things that we want, other things that we prioritize over our relationship with Jesus, then it's proof that we're not all in. This is a difficult, difficult message for us to hear. And I think oftentimes we think we might be all in, when in reality, if we were to actually look at our life, look at how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we do in our life, that will give us a pretty good idea of whether or not we're all in. Am I willing to follow Christ wherever he leads? Am I willing to take up a cross? Which means sacrifice, which means 
complete obedience, which could mean death. And I'm willing to go wherever he goes. You know, the call began for the disciples again. Jesus just simply said to them, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And certainly, as I said last week, there, there was a cost involved there. They, they left behind their livelihood. They left behind their nets. They left behind what they knew and what they were familiar with to follow Jesus. But now we've reached the middle point in Mark's gospel. And now Jesus is, is heading towards Jerusalem. He's heading toward the cross. And so he's going to pause for a moment and look at his disciples and say, are you guys with me? I'm heading to Jerusalem, and, and you know what's in Jerusalem. He's going to tell them three times in Mark 8, through, uh, 8, 27 through Mark 10, 50. He's going to tell them three different times what it means for him to be the Son of Man, to be crucified. He's going to be placed on a cross. And so he's asking his disciples, are you with me? Are you going to abandon me when it gets tough and when it gets hard? And, and, and certainly the disciples, they, they miss the mark. They're human, just like you and me. When it, gets, when it comes to Jesus being arrested, remember what does Peter do? Peter, he flees. He denies even knowing Jesus. Not only does he not deny himself, he denies knowing Jesus Christ. Now Peter is restored and he is forgiven and becomes an incredible leader and he too will be martyred for his faith. He's crucified upside down for his faith in Christ. But we're at this point in the gospel now where Jesus is asking the question, are you with me? Are you all in? Are you willing to go wherever I go? And let me just, as a side note, remind you where I'm going is to Golgotha. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to my death. Are you Peter? Are you John? Are you James? Bartholomew? Matthew? Judas? Are you willing to follow me? All the way. I'm not looking for someone that can carpool with me halfway and I can just drop off at some point and pick up later. I want somebody that's with me on the journey all the way. So the same question that Jesus asked his disciples, he's asking of us, are we all in? It's a question that I think we have to ask ourselves daily. I want to ask myself daily, and I want to evaluate my life. Am I all in? Am I committed fully and completely? What am I, how am I spending my time? That will give you a true idea of what it looks like to be all in. Worship team, if you want to come. What do you think with this story? With his hands tied behind his back. Missionary J.W. Tucker was beaten. And then with 60 of his Christian companions, he was thrown into a crocodile-infested river. It wasn't ISIS or Al-Qaeda laying responsibility. The attack actually took place on November 24, 1964 at the hands of Congolese rebels. Our natural instinct is to feel sorry for Tucker, whose earthly life was seemingly cut short. A life can't be cut short when it lasts for all eternity. A holy empathy for his wife and children who survived the terrorist attack is biblically mandated. But heaven gave the hero 
a hero in a long line of heroes who trace their genealogy back to the first Christian martyr, Stephen. The grand scheme of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, eternal gain, infinitely offsets earthly pain. God doesn't promise us happily ever after. He promises so much more than that. Happily forever after. It was that eternal perspective that inspired J.W. Tucker to risk his earthly life for the gospel. Tucker didn't fear death because he had already died himself. Was it an uncalculated risk that led J.W. Tucker into the Congo during a civil war? Counted the cost with his missionary friend Morris Plotz. Plotz actually tried to convince his friend not to go. He said, if you go in, he prophetically pleaded, you won't come out. To which Tucker responded, God didn't tell me I had to come out. He only told me I had to go in. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but I want to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent as well as the ones you think are wicked. The whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself, my own will shall become yours. Those are the words written by C.S. Lewis, likely one of his most famous works, Mere Christianity. I want you to bow your heads with me. If you stand with me, if you would, too. Close your eyes for just a moment. <clears throat> Again, I know this is not one of those messages that's probably going to lead to shouting declaration, amens across the room. But it's a message that I believe the Holy Spirit really wants us to wrestle with. I think now more than ever, culture that we live in, certainly certainly death may not be uh, an immediate result when it comes to us faithfully following Jesus here in America. But I think now more than ever our culture needs Christ followers who are all in. I think there has been this season of time where Christ followers in the world look awfully similar. It's hard to distinguish between whether or not this person is a Christ follower or whether they are part of the world. And I think now more than ever our culture needs Christ followers who are all in. Where when the world looks at us, they can clearly see without hesitation, without any uncertainty, that this 
person is a Christ follower. Somebody is uncertain of that and somebody looks at you and they're not sure and they look at me and they can't quite determine whether or not I'm truly following Christ and I need to do some self-examination and I need to ask the Holy Spirit to make some changes in my life because I want people to see Christ in me. First couple of centuries, really the first three centuries before Christianity became kind of the, the formal state religion. There was no room for fence-sitting Christians. There was no room to say, well, I'm going to serve Christ on Sunday, but the rest of the week I'm going to live my life how I want to live it in the world. There was no room for that in the first three centuries especially. You were either all in. reality was if you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord instead of Caesar there was a good chance you were going to meet Christ very soon that's why especially baptism was so incredibly important and valuable because those that were baptized they were declaring publicly I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and many would either be kicked out of their family or many would be killed because of that confession. But I feel like we're at a place now, once again, where it's vital, it's important, it's valuable that we get off the fence and we decide who we are going to serve. 